Welcome to the Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show, OuterLimitsRadio.com. I'm your host, Ryan. Tonight, our show focus is on the Matrix. According to our experts, the Matrix of Control is a prison cell of human consciousness. If you are in the Matrix, chances are you're probably in a state of perpetual fear. You hate everyone. You're going back and forth through your neighbors about the left-wing, right, left-wing, right-wing paradigm political system. It is a way that the elite put their foot on the neck of dissident and critical thinking. So the matrix is a consciousness energy frequency. We're going to explore what it is, identify it, and give you tips and advice on how to break out of it. I think this is one of the most fascinating shows we've ever done. The Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show proudly presents an introspective analysis on the matrix. Our special guest today on the Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show is Mr. John Rappaport. He has worked as a freelance investigative reporter for the last 30 years. He is author of three incredible collections, which are The Matrix Revealed, Escape of the Matrix, and Power Outside the Matrix. He's written for every major national publication you can think of. He's produced radio and TV programs. He's been a very forceful advocate for humanity for a very long period of time, and it is truly an honor to have him with us today. Mr. Rapport, Rapport, thank you for being with us today. Sure. Um, it's great to be here. Thank you. Got it. All right. Can you please explain to our listeners what is the Matrix? People assume the word Matrix, and they think it's a movie, sci-fi movie with Keanu Reeves. But what is the Matrix? Is it an actual real structure, and how does it differ from what is perceived in the movie? Well, uh Let's go back, say, about uh, 20 years, 25 years. I was about 10 years into being a reporter, was writing articles for newspapers and magazines and doing some radio in Los Angeles. And one day it occurred to me that I should widen my scope. The stories I was covering all of a sudden seemed connected to me medical fraud, uh, fake epidemics, uh, government corruption, financial chicanery of a high order. I began to see or feel or sense that there was a lot of dot connecting to be done. This was back in the late 80s, early 90s. And I was also at the time writing my first book, which was called AIDS, Inc., Scandal of the Century. And I was getting a firsthand education in what actually goes on in medical research labs where they are supposedly researching to find new viruses and uh, causes of disease and so forth. And this kind of uh, gradual insight took place over the course of, I would say, two years, that I was really trying to find an overall structure here. It wasn't just tracking down one story and then another and then another, that there was some connecting tissue that brought all of this together. And yes, elites were certainly involved and secret societies, there was a history of that, the Rockefeller Empire, and so on and so forth. But what I was really probing for and trying to understand more about was mind control. 
in other words, the embrace, so to speak, between the human mind and reality. The reality that we see around us, the reality that is uh, propagandized every day in the press, that there was, it was as if a false reality had been built to fit the tendencies of the human mind, like a lock and a key. And if this could be successfully done, then you would have complete mind control. You would have people living their whole lives thinking that they were in the only reality that exists because pieces of their mind had been infiltrated, so to speak, by a created reality. Now, most people think of the matrix as the created reality, but I thought and confirmed to myself that it was much deeper than that. It was this lock and key, that the mind is prepared to accept certain kinds of reality that fit the mind's tendencies. And one of those tendencies, for example, is the collective. Propaganda about the collective, the group, all of us, the we, the big we, uh, the unified, everything, is very attractive to the mind. And so the mind can be propagandized into believing that some sort of collective or collectivist ideal is going to be achieved if we just cooperate with the right people and go along with the right program, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I found this to be complete deception. But yet the mind, at least in part, has a tendency to want to go along with that idea. It's attracted to it like a magnet. And so it tends to accept that kind of what I would call false reality. And when I began to see this lock and key connection, that's when my research into the matrix really started. John, I'd like to just pause you for one second. When you say that there are certain areas of the mind that can be infiltrated, what areas of the mind are vulnerable to this kind of suggestion or this kind of manipulation? Well, the one that I just described, and I'll give you a couple more. Is there a certain part of the brain? I mean, are you, are you describing the No, mind? I don't think of it as the brain. In other words, the mind is separate from the brain. Okay. The brain is like a kind of computer, uh, if you will, that is the bridge between the mind and the body. It's the operating system. It's the programming, the software that connects the mind and the body. So I would say that you have you and I, which is even beyond the mind, and then you've got the mind, and then you've got the brain, and then you've got the body. It's kind of a, a bit of a hierarchy of function, if you will. And so when I say that there are parts of the mind that are vulnerable to reality programming, I'm really talking about something separate from the brain. I'm talking about the hopes and the desires and the fears that are they're buried in the mind. The desire, for example, for a utopia. 
the fear of a dystopia or a horrendous future that is coming up for all of humanity. And because these tendencies are there and because they're basically overblown, they're vulnerable to overblown propaganda, promising us that we're all moving in the right direction and that great things just lie over the horizon. There's nothing we need to do about it. The universe is going to speak through us and everything is going to be just fine. Or on the other hand, that we're facing a horrible catastrophe next week or next month or next year and everything is going to be destroyed. These aspects of mind are like sponges waiting to soak up false realities. Okay. Let me ask you this. These tendencies, are these a fundamental quality of human consciousness? And are these qualities, these fundamental character traits, are they also commonalities in other conscious beings from various other areas within our physical dimension? Is this just one fundamental aspect of being human? what you're observed no I wouldn't say that it's fundamental I would say that it is a tendency or a propensity that is based on a faulty interpretation of experience okay. if we're looking at really the basic qualities of mind or consciousness we're talking about a unlimited potential that expands in all directions, unimpeded. That would be what's really, really there in consciousness. But over time, there are shades and colorations and so forth that are allowed in the door of consciousness that are these kinds of tendencies that I'm talking about. Okay. So they're not inherent, they're not built in, it's not fate or destiny that they're always there. But when you survey human beings, you tend to find them there. Okay. I have a two-part question for you, and that is this. Is if people are not in the matrix, what are the defining qualities of somebody who's embedded in the matrix? What are some of the defining qualities of somebody who's not embedded in the matrix? And also, for people who are involved or embedded in this matrix of control – what perceptions, what areas of perception are they not able to perceive? What are they cut off from? Okay, that's, that's a very wide-ranging and good question. Thank you. Um, there's several ways I can answer that. A person who is embedded in the matrix and... Uh, people really have to screw their brains and their minds in to understand what I'm trying to say here. They are subject to a kind of program which I would I call sometimes the existence program or the what is, what exists program. They look around and they say, well, that, that exists and this exists and that exists and this exists and yeah, 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 yeah. And they watch television news and they say, well, this exists, this story is real, this is real. And underlying all that kind of acceptance, passive acceptance, is a kind of fundamental program about accepting what exists, what already exists, what's said to exist, what's presented as existing. 
this exists, that exists, this is real, that's real, instead of the capacity to stand off a bit and say, well, wait a minute, is this the whole story? Is this factual or is it false? And if it's factual, is there any context here uh, that I can understand uh, more deeply if I understand the context? Uh, is the reality that I'm perceiving every day the only reality? Are we living in the only space and the only time there is? Is this it? And those people who, the overwhelming majority of people who live on Earth, would tend to answer all of those questions with a yes. They would say, well, what else could there be? If this exists and that exists and this exists. I'm looking at my table right now and there's a bottle of vitamins on it and there's a rock and a book and a clock and a set of earphones and a, a mouse and a notebook and a pen. Those are, that's what exists. This is it. Not only do they exist, but that's all that exists. It's, it's a kind of passive uh, receivership acceptance of what is. And it goes on and on and on and on in a very kind of passive, passive way. And so people who are embedded in the matrix tend to live and behave and think and perceive in that fashion. Someone who is outside the matrix, really outside the matrix, first of all, has a tremendous ability to analyze what is going on in the matrix at a much deeper level to see some various programs that are operating in human beings, to see various aspects of mind control and so forth. But beyond that, and this to me uh, is the big one, a person who is outside the matrix recognizes that he has an infinite imagination and infinite creative potential to create realities and this is entirely missing from people who are embedded in the matrix because one of the fundamental, if not the most fundamental, program operating in the matrix is that imagination is useless. It's just a toy for children. When you grow up, you throw it away. Most, the overwhelming number of humans have no creative potential at all. There's just a few very talented people and that's it. And, and creative, what does creative even mean? What does imagination even mean? Is there really anything that uh, exists like that? Probably not. There's no reason to pay any attention to that, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So a person who is outside the matrix has tremendous and powerful creative potential to create reality. And to analyze what that means, among other things, is that the person can invent futures for himself and other people if they want to voluntarily join in, can be an artist of reality, so to speak, can be extraordinarily inventive and innovative, can see solutions to problems that other people don't see and can act on them decisively and with great effect. And the spectrum, if you will, of creative potential ultimately has no limit. That is to say, everything that people now think of as being, quote, paranormal, 
the capacity to produce paranormal effects. Those are creative effects. And a person who is outside the matrix can access that in himself and develop those abilities to unlimited uh, capacity. So those would be the fundamental differences, I would say, between embedded in the matrix and outside the matrix. And, John, I want to let our listeners know real quick, because we didn't promote this at the beginning of the show, but to learn more about John, you want to go to his website, nomorefakenews.com. And in addition to seeing his blog updated on a regular basis, most of his articles are frequently shared in alternative media. And you can go to this really interesting page it has where he's got four different programs, four different products that will really help you shake out of this. And I love this one that you have called Power Outside the Matrix, and you were kind of going into a little bit. What are some of the like three or four different things that a person can do right now to liberate themselves from the matrix? What are some of the things that they can do to kind of tap into that incredible um, infinite talent pool that you were just talking about? Well, the first thing I would say is find an old book on logic and study the hell out of it. <laughs> Find a book that used to be taught in schools and isn't taught anymore, a step-by-step, very uh, specific course in logic, and study it and study it and study it and study it until you understand it backwards and forwards. Because one can apply those principles and that sharpness of mind to analyze the flood of information that we are subjected to every day here. And by doing that, step by step, one tends to get out of the matrix and to see it from the outside as to all the fallacious kinds of reasoning and thought processes that go into the creation of false realities, informational realities that people are subjected to. So that's one thing. Now, of course, in... In my collection, Exit from the Matrix, I have a very long audio section called Analyzing Information in the Age of Disinformation, which takes up uh, not only certain ideas and logic, but goes beyond that in a very uh, contemporary way to say, how do you investigate? How do you probe and analyze and carry out a real investigation of a major, major issue to determine the truth, the falsity, what's really going on there from all sides. So that's one thing. The other thing, and um, I would say that this is a kind of experiment that people can do. Open a file, a Word document or whatever kind of documents you use, into two sections. And in one section is the heading, what I might desire to do in my life. The other heading is what I would never want to do in my life. And every day you write for as long as you want to in the first section and in the second section. You can make lists, you can write paragraphs, you can write pages, you can write essays. You just answer that question or those two questions and you shift back and forth what I might like to do in my life, what I would never want to do in my life, et cetera, et cetera. 
and you go back and forth and back and forth. And the key there is, and I've seen this work with many of my private clients and the people who I suggest this to, that second list, what I would never want to do in my life, will eventually tend to produce some really dynamic, explosive insights. Because where does a person stash all of the things that they either absolutely don't want to do or wouldn't want to do or think are impossible for them to do, even though they might want to do it? Well, they stash those things in part of their imagination. They consider them to be imaginary, imaginary. So when you start to access things you would never want to do in your life, you are beginning to invent, you're beginning to imagine, you're beginning to create. And I've had people, and this has happened to me as well, you're writing down something, I would never want to do this, and blah, 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 you know, and you can make up the most outlandish things, and all of a sudden, something pops up, an idea that stops you dead in your tracks, and you say, well, wait a minute, maybe I would actually want to do that. Why am I putting it in this list? And you begin to think about it. And the more you think about it, the more you begin to connect with some deep buried desire that you've had for a long time to do that or to do something like that. At that point, you stop everything and you begin writing about that. And you write and write and write and write and think and think and write and write. And that may be the very thing that propels you back into your inherent state of enormous creative potential to create that thing that you truly want to do. Okay, so you can have a your life change. So you can have a list of maybe a whole list of horrific things saying, you know, I would never want to do this and that and some and some of these things are going to be horrific and maybe disgusting and maybe even repulsive, but then you're saying that maybe by doing that you're generating or stimulating your creative aspect in your mind and maybe you're going to pull out some very positive things out there. Yeah. And it's not only just disgusting things that you would never want to do. Somebody would say, well, I would never want to go on a spaceship to Jupiter. Writes that down, and all of a sudden stops dead. Wait a minute. Of course I'd want to go to a spaceship on Jupiter, but, a spaceship, but it's impossible. And other thoughts begin to pop up like popcorn. This is space, rockets, this, that, boom, boom, boom. And then another idea comes into view, and another idea like uh, like a tinker toy set, you know, of things connected in the mind, and all of a sudden an idea that the person didn't write down pops up, and, you know, the next thing he knows, he realizes something connected to all of that that is extremely profound for him, that he's been burying for the last 20 or 30 years, and in comes a rush of positive energy and a sense of being able to create and imagine and invent and he's off and running on a whole new life. Okay. You've got one of your products is called Exit from the Matrix, and you have a, some techniques that you use to shatter or break out of the matrix. You talk about paranormal experiments and exercises. What are some of these paranormal experiments and exercises that you would recommend that would help you break out of this? Well, there's a whole uh, – there are whole sections of these exercises. Okay. They're about – I would estimate 70 or 80 exercises there. And the point of it is, is that you study this material. I mean, this is for real. 
This isn't like, oh, that was an interesting video, or oh, I kind of enjoyed that <laughs> audio, and yeah, you know, blah, blah. no, this is like you're going for a PhD, but not because some teachers there or the college or the university. It's because you're intensely interested. So you study this material, you listen to it a number of times, you take notes, and you write down these exercises. And then every day you look over these exercises, which I describe very clearly. They're all imagination exercises. And uh, you choose a couple that you feel like you want to do on that particular day, and you do them. You are now exercising in a very profound and significant way, your own imagination, in a way that you've never done it before. And in doing that, you awaken all parts of consciousness that have been asleep, that have been dozing and napping and snoozing inside the matrix, and now you begin to feel like you are in a new position vis-a-vis the matrix. You're not any longer embedded in it. You're getting out of it. You're feeling that creative potential within yourself. And you're feeling the power to be able to invent reality, invent future. That's the point of all of this. Okay. That's what takes a person out. It pulls them out. Now, does that allow a person to see beyond these, you know, that this is one reality that we're in, that beyond the, beyond, you see multi, multi-dimensional perception when they start to do that? Well, some people indeed experience that. But even beyond that, is the notion that you can create multi-realities. It's not just seeing them, you know. It's not just knowing that they exist. It's being able to invent them. Okay. And I'll give you a kind of a metaphor for this. Think of the painter before the blank canvas. The feeling of the painter as he stands before the blank canvas. He knows that he's about to embark into a different space, the space of the canvas and everything that that implies. This is not the space of his room. This is not the space of the studio. This is not the space of the window or what's beyond the window in his studio. This is not the space of him sleeping or eating at the breakfast table or any of that. This is a completely different space that is waiting, so to speak, for him to create upon it. When he paints, he invents another space. He invents another reality. So if you look at that metaphor and see it, what I'm talking about here is the creative potential, the capacity within each one of us to create multi-realities here instead of just paying allegiance to this reality that we see and experience and accept around us. So, yeah, it goes beyond even being able to perceive multi-realities. And that's the point. That's where, in fact, most people who write about what I'm talking about stop short. They're saying essentially to people, how would you like to be able to perceive realities beyond this one? Well, sure, great, fantastic, okay, fine. But why stop there? 
that isn't the end of things. You could say, well, I had an extremely vivid dream last night while I was asleep, and it was I was there. I was really there. I experienced a different reality. Great, fantastic. But is that the end of it? Absolutely not. You can take it further, much further than that. You can create your own realities. Okay. That's going way beyond that. That's way beyond matrix. John, what is the when did the matrix really kind of pick up and who's behind the matrix and also at the same time what's the purpose of it? Is this a punishment for humanity? Are we is this a punishment for us to come here to live on, on earth and be controlled for something that we've done in previous lifetimes or is this an evolutionary test for us? I would say that the idea of this being a punishment is part of the program that okay. many people accept. That's why one of the reasons that they're embedded so deep in the matrix because they think they deserve to be. That's part of Earth programming 101, <laughs> you know, to say, okay, well, the reason that you're here, you see, is that you're a bad boy, you're a bad girl, and this is your comeuppance. So don't mess around and try to pretend otherwise. Now, if you buy that product, you know, at the store, <laughs> the spiritual store, then as long as you keep buying it and keep, uh, you know, going over it and accepting it, you're sunk, you're done, you're toast. Because that will just keep you totally embedded in the matrix. Okay, when you say embedded the in the matrix, matrix, is that from this lifetime or can you be stuck in the matrix from multiple lifetimes? Oh, uh, people can be stuck in matrix for you know, hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands of lifetimes. You know, I just come back to do it all again. I'm going to do it again. I'm going to do it again. I'm going to try to do a little better. I'm going to, but better is not enough. Different is what you want. Different is what you want. If you go back to the early Tibetans and their practice, which was remarkably unique, and different from any other spiritual system on the planet before then and now, they were talking essentially about, if we use the matrix terminology, you can be completely outside of it, and you can operate in it, but you are not it. You are not embedded. You are different from it, and you know it, absolutely know it. So, yes, the answer to your question is sure. People come, keep coming back, coming back, coming back. Accept the basic programming each time. <laughs> you know, and then they say, well, okay, given all of this programming that I'm operating on, I'm going to try to do a little better now. Well, you know, okay, fine, if that's what people want to do, but it really doesn't work. It's not a good <laughs> solution to the situation. What you really want to do is to understand in the way that we've been talking for the last half hour or so about what matrix is and getting out of it and, and having power outside it, which means being able to operate in it, operate outside of it, and not be completely magnetized back into it to the point where you lose your consciousness. That's really what you're aiming for. You observe what is occurring in the matrix from your perspective. Do you feel that the matrix is dying 
in some capacity because it, I think people who are awake and are aware right now, they see that the fear-mongering seems to be at an all-time high. You have a lot of governments, a lot of people in a perpetual state of fear, worried about the economy, worried about you know global war. And it's a perpetual state of fear that I've never experienced in my lifetime before. And I was wondering what the purpose of that is and where do you see the trajectory of this going? Is this part of the programming? Is this a matrix actually going to – are we actually going to live in a world without this matrix over us? I think ultimately the answer to that is yes. We will be living in a world without the matrix. But when I say uh, – I'm talking long-term here, very long-term. I have – you know, I could make estimates in terms of hundreds of years. But the thing is, we came to the beginning of the 20th century. There was – a moment in time when people began to feel the sense of liberation. End of the 19th, beginning of the 20th, it actually went back somewhat further than that, but people began to see, okay, look, the human race has been inventing these superstitions and realities for a very long time and then pretending that they came from somewhere else and then becoming afraid of them, and then bowing down to them, and then running away from them, and doing all kinds of crazy things. But we now are beginning to sense and understand that we were the inventors, ultimately, that we cooked all of this up, that we did this to ourselves more than even what is being done to us. It's not one or the other, but the awareness was growing. Gee, you know, if you cook up your own demons and then you pretend that they were there all the time and then you start feeling fear and then you're vulnerable to propaganda about fear. I mean, all of this is just some horrendous vortex. Who would want to really experience that? It, people began to sense that there was a way out of all of this and that it had to do with understanding their own imagination, their own creative potential. Because, you know, people can also create negative things that diminish them, that make them more fearful, that make them more vulnerable. Yeah, we're beginning to see this, beginning to see this. And then a new era of fundamentalism began to creep in at the edges. People began to be afraid of that, that dawning realization that they were having, and so they began to retreat. Where do you retreat when you retreat? You go back to basic uh, limbic reactions, fear, fear, hatred, resentment, opposition, conflict. Uh, you retreat back into your, your group, you know, your collective, your tribe, your clan, uh, because you feel that, that it's the only safe place to be. You know, so there was then a reversal, and that reversal has been continuing. But more and more people are waking up, and more and more people are beginning to understand their own role in this incredibly strange stage play called Matrix. They're beginning to see their own part in this, and they're beginning to see that it does them no good to deny their own role. 
and that in order to solve this whole problem, they don't have to go off on some crazy tangent and invent yet one more gigantic external force that's going to save them from everything and descend out of the clouds and do all of this rescue operation, et cetera, et cetera. They're realizing that that would just be another turn of the same wheel. They would be doing the same crazy thing over and over again, that they can uh, not do that and instead begin to tap into their own creative power and see where they can really take this, how far, how wide, how deep, how high instead of using that creative power to diminish their own consciousness and their own freedom. And that, I believe, I know, has been reborn on planet Earth. It's going to take a long time for it to sink in with enough people so that something definitive happens to our civilization, so to speak, or to life on planet Earth, because it's going to take a number of people who are really with that to make a visible difference. But there is time. What's inside a human being, the greatest potential and imagination and creativity and so forth, that power is never going to go away. It never dies. It, It can never be completely defeated. It can never be buried. It always wants to come back out because it's inherently part of what I am, what you are, what every individual is. And that's why it's taken so much constant mind control on and on and on through the centuries to press and press down on the human race and keep them in a state of half-light, sleep, hypnotic trance because the power that's within each individual is so majestic and huge so it will emerge there's nothing that can stop it but how long that's going to take depends upon each individual's willingness to wake up to it yeah i give you a lot of credit john i mean i've read your articles and you really do have a lot of faith in the individual um you really do a lot of faith in people if you were to make a i know i hate to use the word prediction but if you were to give an outlook do you think that the world's going to be in a state uh, a dystopia of tyranny akin to the movie 1984. Do you think we're going to see some economic apocalypse or some kind of uh, dark era of humanity before humanity can truly wake up enough people to, I don't know, have this beautiful era where we're exploring our full potential and appreciating the individual? I can answer that best by saying I think that we're going to go through a period next where the what I call, and I wrote an article about this, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago, the stimulus response empire, where that's going to get worse. The programmers and the elites on this planet have decided that we are nothing more than biological machines who are, in fact, dangerous because we've been misprogrammed since the beginning, and we're just kind of like the Wild West cowboys and animals running around, and we have to have better programming. And that's what they've been after and doing in one way or another for a very long time now. And so I believe that we're going to go through a period of more of that, increased the idea of reprogramming the human race. But eventually that is going to die. There is going to be a massive 
revolt against that because it's going to get worse because people are going to feel it more than they feel it now. And they're going to realize that this thing called power, their own potential, their own creative power, their own imagination is really being squeezed and squeezed harder and harder and harder. And they don't want to take it and they won't take it. And they're going to break out of it and it won't be pretty for a, for a while, it may be a long while, but eventually people are going to get their legs back, so to speak, under them and realize that their job is to live to their true potential, to act on all of this, and that postponing it any further under whatever excuse they want to give is no longer a good play. It's no longer a good move. And we're going to see something quite, quite different in terms of what the world looks like than it does now. Mr. John Rappaport, it was truly an honor to have you on our program today. I, there's so many more questions we wanted to ask you, but um, we know that you're, you are very busy, and we want to let people know that they can go to your website at nomorefakenews.com. You're going to see regular updates on there. You, you go to his section, you'll have four or, sorry, three or four different great programs that will help you escape from the matrix. John is regularly featured on the National Alternative Media. You've got to keep an eye on him. He's got a lot of great articles. Mr. Rappaport, thank you so much for being with us today. And thank you. I really appreciate it. It is a great honor to have with us now Mr. Michael Harrison. He's the founder and editor of Talkers Magazine and a true innovator in the radio industry. Mr. Harrison, great pleasure to have you with us today. Thank you so much for being with us. Mr. Cormick, it is an honor to be on your show. Thank you. We're talking about the matrix or the, the idea of a matrix of control, the idea that there are certain languages and that there are certain frequencies that are out there that are putting people in a state of being that kind of disempowers themselves. In your observations over the course of the last 20 or 30 years in talk radio, have you observed certain particular topics are certain messages that are being perpetually relayed that you feel are having this effect, that you feel are disempowering people from thinking critically? Well, that's interesting. I don't know whether or not people not thinking critically has anything to do with the matrix or anything metaphysical. I think it's very down-to-earth. I wish that people were uh, more independent in their thinking, more discriminating, um, more intuitive. I think that uh, one of the things that people have to learn is how to separate their intuition from what they consider to be the hard, cold facts, uh, because there never will be enough facts to make a decision. There are so many variables in the world. The universe serves up so many variables for even the most simple activities that you can never have enough research or enough um, empirical knowledge to know for sure if what you're doing is the correct thing. So I think people need to uh, draw upon their intuitive nature and the intuitive nature is it's sort of a um, a way of transcending words and bits and details and going to that higher level of consciousness. Uh, most people are afraid to do it, and many people don't believe that really exists. In terms of uh, the universe being a matrix, and somehow this matrix is used to keep people from thinking clearly, uh, that's not something I really had considered. And uh, you'd have to ask me a little deeper what, what exactly you mean by that. Well, the the idea is this, is that apparently the experts that we're talking to, that there is a frequency or a uh, an actual web of consciousness that is encompassing the earth that if 
keeping people in a perpetual state of fear, keeping people in a perpetual state of disempowerment to take full control over their lives. And this idea that they're living in this false reality, this idea that they're living in this limited perception is because they're on this frequency or this, this fear of bad frequency. And we're trying to explore to see if that is something that is actually real or that is something that people can actually do something about. Because sometimes if you observe the media, you see that a lot of the media or the messages that are being perpetuated out there are that of fear. They don't tell you at the beginning of the news story about all the great things that happened that particular day. They tell you about the most horrific acts that have happened to an actual relatively small percentage of the population. And they almost feel like they perpetuate that fear upon people. And people in a state of fear maybe don't have the capability of going beyond the fear. They're just reactionary or pausing to that fear. And when I come back to this question, Michael, is this, is do you feel that there are a lot of messages being relayed through radio or being relayed through the media in general that are perpetuating this type of fear? And if so, why do you feel that so? Oh, okay, I do believe that uh, we are oriented toward fear. Fear uh, as a uh, method of selling commerce. If you don't buy this, something terrible will happen. Uh, fear at maintaining political control. If you don't elect us, uh, you're going to have all these terrible things befall you because there's all this uh, danger out there, whether it's terrorism or um, bad economics, you know, any number of things. And um, fear um, in terms of basically, in a more broad sense, controlling people's activities, uh, such as organized religion, uh, you'll go to hell if you don't uh, follow these rituals, uh, and on and on. As to whether these negative uh, messages are coming from some type of metaphysical frequency, I don't have a clue. Now, I say that very carefully because I do believe that everything is vibrations and frequencies. I do believe that it's very possible the universe is, in fact, a matrix and that we're living in a three-dimensional hologram and that uh, as you go deeper and deeper into quantum physics and into the particles of nature, these are very much like bits of information in a video game. And that perhaps what we consider to be God might be a higher level of intelligence that has simulated us and is following us, perhaps uh, following it for entertainment, perhaps for other reasons. This is all possible based upon quantum physics and the observations that we're able to make now uh, at the physical world through science. Uh, add to it a little bit of intuitiveness and, uh, and, and some Eastern philosophy, and it opens up a whole world of possibilities. But I, as a practitioner in the media of uh, the marketplace of ideas, as a champion of free speech, as a person who loves freedom, as a person who would love to see talk radio and talk media constantly strive to raise the bar and be more intelligent and to seek truth instead of victory, I don't know whether or not this is not just a question of journalism and human nature. Uh, human nature to try to control journalism, uh, to try to sell products as opposed to seek truth. And um, I think we might be blurring the lines between a scientific and reasoned approach to metaphysics when it comes to a matrix or just jumping to a conclusion, again, for the sake of sensationalism. Because, you know, frankly, putting the idea out there that there's some kind of a mysterious frequency that's sending negative messages and appealing to people's fear is, in fact, a message of fear. <laughs> it's, it's telling people, hey, point. you don't have control of yourself, and if you don't listen to what we're telling you, you're going to wind up becoming, you know, a... Um, 
a, a virtual zombie in some kind of uh, strange matrix. So I'm I'm not necessarily a big fan of that idea, but that doesn't mean that I'm not a big fan of the concept that um, we live in a reality that is far more illusion, even to the point of hallucination, than concrete material particles that are the be-all and end-all of existence. Okay, and Harrison, one final question for you is this. Is you've made recent speeches, actually I think several speeches over the course of the years, that have been saying that freedom has never faced a greater challenge or been under a greater assault than it has in these times that we are currently living in. As far as freedom being relayed over the radio airwaves, where do you see freedom, where do you see the challenge of freedom on radio? Where do you see that? For radio, uh, for, for radio to be a, um, a messenger of freedom, for radio to truly uh, do uh, a good job of, uh, for the purpose of having people think freely and be free, it has to preach open-mindedness. It has to show a variety of points of view. It has to have conversations conducted in a collegial and intellectual manner. It cannot play to stupidity. It cannot play to fear. It cannot only target audiences and uh, tell them what they already have a predisposition toward believing so as to gain their favor. Uh, it's more than radio. It's journalism. It's, uh, it's, it's the nature of our culture. We should seek truth, not victory. We should seek uh, victory by doing the right thing as opposed to playing into the hands of what people really want, even if we know what's best for them is something else or the truth is something else. So uh, I, I always encourage people in radio, specifically talk radio, but even music radio, because a lot of messages um, are, are transmitted to the collective consciousness through music radio. I, I encourage my fellow broadcasters to always think first about what's best for the human race. And um, nothing is more important than uh, the human race maintaining a sense of curiosity, skepticism, questioning, hunger, yearning for more knowledge, not believing that the answer is easy, not believing that there's one concrete way of living, and uh, going forward into the future with that open-mindedness because it is uh, through closed-mindedness that we lose our freedom. Uh, never before have we had the technology to control people's thoughts uh, as well-designed and as powerful as it is today, and it's even getting more so. I mean, we're really getting into people's heads. We're getting into each other's heads. So the tools of mass control, the tools of mass deceit, have never been more powerful. And uh, we have to use those same tools to be a counterbalance to the tendency many people have to want to control other people's thoughts. Uh, Mr. Harrison, that was a great answer and truly an honor to be with you and have you on our show today. And to learn more about Mr. Michael Harrison, please go to the website talkers.com. It is a fantastic radio industry-centered uh, publication. You'll learn everything about every major radio station, radio show in the country. Fantastic. Mr. Harrison, thank you so much. Truly an honor. Thank you, Ryan. Joining us now is globally respected psychic medium and energy intuitive and healer, Miss Carrie O'Connor. You can learn more about Miss O'Connor. Get a reading with Miss O'Connor by going to her website at carrieoconnor.com. Miss O'Connor, from your perspective, what can you tell us about the matrix or this 
idea of a matrix of control that is on planet Earth? I see the matrix. It's literal, Ryan. It holds us in a energetic posture to be separated from totally experiencing our angel self. It goes into linear time. It keeps us stuck in past, present, future. It, sticks, it keeps us stuck in mind and emotion. And it, I can li- watch the earth. When I'm doing a reading, where I call the universal reading, when I'm looking at the grids of the earth, it looks like this netting that goes around the earth. And you can scan it and you can see holes in it. But the matrix is real as, as can be. And when you're tapped into the matrix and controlled by the matrix, your, your energy field is very much like what I call the human doing process. You are really disconnected from your God angel self, and you're doing what I call, you know, time to make the donuts kind of motion, where you're just existing instead of, of really being our full potential. So the matrix has, we came in here to experience this lifetime where the matrix was very much in control. That was part of our life experience. But also, this is a lifetime where the matrix is breaking down. And when I look at this little literal grid, Ryan, it does look like a net that's around the earth. And when that net has holes in it, it shows me an, and a higher frequency energy coming through it, up through the earth, center of the earth and connecting to the down into it. And that hole allows people to get out of the matrix. Okay, so I want to just describe to our listeners a little bit more to give the visualization. You imagine this net that's on there, and this net, for people who have a vibrational match to this matrix-type net, you said there's some of their qualities are they're just going through the motions, they're just here to exist, they don't have any kind of, I guess, or connection to the, the spiritual aspect of themselves. Who are behind, what's behind the matrix? What is the purpose of it? What is the consciousness that is perpetuating the matrix upon humanity you could see the um the behind the matrix if you go to top gun it's the dark it's the um the dark energy it's the opposite of the light free and celestial so i always use the example of the yin and the yang it's the dark with the light and the light with a little black of dark and our that's really explains the universe so the matrix is that dark energy it's that controlling energy it's it's um again, keeps us in um, a very linear thinking, disconnected from the celestial world. We don't see it. When we, ta- when we get out of it, you can literally see that heaven is on this earth right now. You see people's true potentials. You see their heart energy, and you go beyond, again, mind and emotion. And so the matrix uh, job is to keep us in a, this very linear thinking, totally disconnected. It gets fed by that. It gets fed by fear. It gets fed by defeat. It's really... Um, an energy that's very, very repressive. It's very opposite of the light. So it's the darkest of darks, as I say, is the top controller there. Okay, so it is a consciousness that is perpetuating fear to keep people at this frequency in order to, what, to dominate them? Yep, yep. To, it's about domination and, and control. Absolutely. Okay. And now, the idea of you know, the idea of this matrix having a hole in it or being you know, torn apart, it's not the first time we've, we've heard about that. And I'm curious to know as to the progression or the destruction of the matrix. But at the same time, I'm curious to know about that. I see the world getting more repressed. I see the technology now having the capability to do what dictators throughout history would have loved to do, which is control large segments of the population to spy on them at all hours of the time. And uh, from that perspective, it would seem that the the, the web or the netting is getting even stronger. Um, How do you perceive that? How do you see – is is it getting stronger because it's weakening? Why why is the – 
is the news getting tighter or appear to be getting tighter? That's a wonderful question because that's the paradox as the Matrix is feeling like it's losing control because, Ryan, I've been watching the Matrix breaking down. I've been watching what looks like energetic bridges, and then they turn into rainbow bridges that are continuing to break down the, the Matrix. It, it can feel when you hit the dark net, netting, it can feel very repressive. Sometimes when I hit spots, I literally lose my breath. If I'm around a person that's really holding it or land or, or a situation or scenario, or I could even tap into it energetically. So as the physical world seems like it's going to, a, you know, hell in a handbasket, there are more light. It's like the light is going to, bridges are going to amplify the dark. And so it's going to, it can exaggerate the darkness sometimes. And it also can accelerate the matrix breaking down. So they have to do, it's like somebody's scrambling and they have to do the last bits of control because they know it's breaking down. They know that everything's in a cycle and they absolutely know that if it continues with history, they've reached a part of becoming so out of control. And now we go back to balance. Homeostasis balance. That's what the, the universe is built on. Universes. Okay. Universes are, are quite built I'm curious to know that how can you have people that you know appear to be at a very high vibrational frequency? They they they're very you know peaceful, loving. Uh, they do a lot of things that you would see are qualities or characteristics of people who have celestial energies. Yet you can tell by I guess some of their movements, some of their thought process that they they are kind of stuck in the matrix. How can the high vibrational people be part of or get caught up in that matrix. How is there the biggest thing I see that that stops people is fear and change and they um are there's this innate um fear even if it's unconscious of of change, right? So when we really take accountability and responsibility of how we're directing our life force, everything's gonna change. It's like a TV channel changing and saying, okay, this is over, living in duality, living in separation, and now you're in the driver's seat of how you're directing your life force. Then all of a sudden we can't claim victim, we can't be the child, we can't um, sabotage ourselves. We really have to get in the driver's seat of how we're directing our life force, right? So I, I see all of us. We all have a piece of God's source crater within us. And let's think of the evilest person like uh, Hitler. He still had a part, a piece of creation in them. The people that I see like have a rainbow glow around them or a lot of um, celestial energy, they are they're, they're holding that higher frequency energy. But I've also seen where they could get very locked and they they just get pulled in and sucked into the energy of a family grid, generational patterns. They could get the fear of um of the government and so it, it ignites these really deep, deep fears in the deepest fears that people have is fear of change, which really really goes to fear of death. And then when we realize death, physical death, mental emotional um spiritual it's not only again physically dying it's an emotional death when we realize that we are eternal we are immortal that that is part of our natural sense of being that we're all going to go one day we could finally stop our 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 real our invested fear of change fear of death and we could finally really start living and go beyond the matrix miss carrie o'connor incredible psychic medium great analysis on the matrix you've worked with a lot of people over the years and helping them become free of that the matrix so you know, much great great thanks to you to learn more about miss o'connor and to get a great reading with miss o'connor please go to her website at carrieoconnor.com thank you so much miss o'connor thank you ryan it's always my pleasure joining us now it's previous out of limits of Minute truth radio show guest and exceptional energy worker mr jeff casper 
And you can learn more about Mr. Casper by going to his website at transcodes.com. Mr. Casper, what can you tell us? Hey, how are you? Have you ever perceived the matrix of control? Is that something that is all in our minds or is that something in your ability to perceive uh, enhanced perception? Is that something that actually exists? Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, there are multiple fields. And you have to remember that each person's energy is based upon who they are and what their makeup is, based upon all their choices up to this point. So there are multitudes of energetic fields that one will either align to out of choice or out of automatism. So the energy of control is definitely there. Control permeates almost every emotional and mental field because it is the attempt to stay in charge. It is the attempt to um, keep things the way they are or the way they're known. So, yes, there are definitely fields like that. Absolutely. Okay. Now, if you are a person that has control issues or you're trying to dominate others, does that make you more susceptible to this web or frequency of consciousness known as the matrix? Yes, absolutely. You're going to be drawn to what you do. So if you focus and work towards, you know, anger, and that's what your life is, you're going to get into those places of anger. If you're focusing on control, yes, that's where you're going to go. Same with courage and love and peace and joy. If the matrix did not exist, what perceptions would the common part of humanity have that they don't have right now? Well, if that matrix control dropped, I mean, let's say that the the level of the ego, which which is a lot of control, disappeared for a while. People would see things for what they really are, which could create (laughs) a lot of interesting reactions because a lot of times control keeps illusions going. So as those illusions drop, many people would probably um, go a bit nuts for a while, and if they could handle it, uh, begin to see their illusions and accept them, other people never would. Um, but you have to remember so what was, control is. Uh, so what would some of these illusions be, do you think? Uh, the illusions would be how people see things, how people see other people, okay. how people see themselves, um, okay. how people see the world in general. So if this matrix did not exist, do you think that this matrix might prevent a person from seeing energy fields around other people, might prevent them from perceiving uh, other forms or other beings that could either be assisting or hurting them in their evolution? Is um, so. What does the matrix really block a person from, or what does its main grip on a person do? Well, the main grip that it does is it distorts reality. You know, um, control the the matrix. It distorts how you see things and how you perceive things, um, which isn't all bad because sometimes you need that for a while. You know, as you grow and so forth like that. But as you begin to dig into a spiritual path or a journey or you know some type of um, expansive work, that becomes a hindrance to to feeling, to sensing, to seeing, uh, to perceiving, and your overall awareness. Okay. Do you feel that the matrix is more something more of an individual case-by-case basis for a person trying to struggle with their own choices, or do you think that the matrix, or feel the matrix is more of a collective grasp on humanity that's preventing collective humanity from grasping things on a much wider scale? Do you think that collect, uh, the matrix is putting people in a state of cognitive dissonance on a mass scale. Um, I think that's just set up that way. The the human condition in our our society is set up that way because you've got massive generations after generation of of control and all kinds of things put in place. And then if you throw in some of the other dimensional stuff that can happen, yeah, it's definitely there for a point, but that's the setup that we're in. And you also have to realize that there is some really uh, limited research that shows about only 15% 
maybe less than that, really want to break free of that. And there's nothing wrong with staying in it, but that's your choice. That's your choice. But a very limited few really want and can see the need to attempt to change. So it is kind of just the reality of what we live in. Um, and that can be very um, hindering, especially when a person begins to feel that. Okay. And as far as the evolutionary scale, the reincarnation scale, is it our mission to to come as a human being to break out of this? Is that are we are people actually doing themselves a disservice by not attempting to break out of this matrix? Yeah, they, it depends upon the. Go ahead, sorry. No, sorry. Sorry, it depends on the person. It depends upon the person's overall general makeup. You know, when they choose the life that they're in, my belief and a lot of um, people's belief is that you pick your life. And you pick that life based upon certain things. And some people will just repeat their karmic structure or their um, collective programming. Uh, other people just have a code in them that says, wait a minute, something's not right. So it really comes down to people who are serious about it and begin to break free of some of those control patterns typically would choose a life like this one where you've got a very um, high chance of seeing so much through I mean, not only just life and your own personal life, but through TV and, and, and media and all that kind of stuff, you've got amazing chances to experience a huge multitude of emotional, mental, spiritual, you name it, experience. So there's a tremendous chance in this current lifetime uh, and where we're at right now to really break through a lot of stuff. And there's also a tremendous potentiality to repeat and go lower. Wow. So this is our, the choice is always ours. Uh, and one last final question, Mr. Casper is if you were to think about three things that a person can do to break out of the matrix or, let's say, put the, increase their perception going beyond the matrix, what would you recommend? First and foremost would be the intention to change, the intention to, depending upon what you call God, divine field, celestial higher power, the intention would be to align to that, to align to higher vibratory rates. Um, the next level would be the willingness to go into your own stuff, you know, your own shadow, your pain, your emotions, and then pass the willingness to go into it to step further and work through each, every, each and every aspect as it comes forward. And that would require acceptance and humbleness. So there's a little bit extra in there. You could go on for hours on that, but I would say those would be the three big things is the initial attention um, and then the willingness to go into it and then basically dedication, which is to keep going. Right. Mr. Jeff Casper, thank you so much. Really riveting insight about your perceptions about the Matrix. And to learn more about Mr. Casper, please go to his website at transcodes.com. Always a pleasure, Mr. Casper. Thank you so much. Thank you. Joining us now is Chris Krepsik, metaphysical teacher, founder of thehoodedsage.com, an incredible returning guest on the Outer Limbs of the Truth Radio Show. Mr. Krepsik, in your experience and teachings, what can you reveal to us about Gaia, the essence and spirit of Earth? Well, that, that's a big subject. It's <laughs> <laughs> a lot to cover. <laughs> well, you mean, when you... And on an energy level, or, or what do you mean? Because it's like one giant well, entity of its own, you know? Okay, if you were to describe Gaia, the entity on its own, the the, the consciousness, what is Gaia? I mean, if you, some people say, okay, well, what is Gaia? What is the spirit of the earth? What do you what do you imply by saying the earth has a spirit, 
have you ever engaged the spirit of the earth? Is Gaia a collectiveness of all the animals? Is Gaia a collection of collective humanity? What is Gaia on a metaphysical, spiritual level? She's like a goddess, like a massive, giant spirit of um, energy, but it seems to be a very feminine, feminine spirit. It's like the higher self of the planet Earth itself would be a spirit, just like every every other living creature has a higher spirit and consciousness beyond um, the physical form, you know. Okay, so are we all part of Gaia? Are we spirits within Gaia's spirit? Yeah, you could think of it like that. It's like it's a collective, so we're all components within that larger force, that larger um, higher consciousness of the Earth itself. And so is every animal and every plant, every living creature. Every living creature. You've discussed before about the benefit or the need to process your shadow, process your darkness, really come to terms with it. Do you believe that humanity and the darkness of humanity is actually part of Gaia's shadow, that Gaia needs to process? Uh, I don't know. I think that uh, humans are a little bit different in that regard. I don't, I don't necessarily see... Um, Gaia as being, uh, having the same issues of the mind or the rigid intellect that humans do. But I mean, obviously we're a component of her, so how could we not belong to, to that to some degree? And when you have gone to deep meditations and you have explored these various realms of existence, what is Gaia? seen as in the Luna or these alternative dimensions, what, what visual form do you see Gaia taking? Well, as a giant feminine spirit, I mean, she morphs and transforms through various forms. You know, those worlds are, are creative and constantly moving and your spirit's not like a, a rigid 3d object. It, it can morph through, um, infinite forms, but she, okay. she'd be vibrant with color and fractals and, um, light okay and when people the way you describe gaia if from a casual observer it may seem or it could seem like gaia seems to be a god you said god is gaia is a goddess do you feel that sometimes people when they're praying to god that they're actually praying to gaia is gaia and the idea of what god is according to most people one and the same uh it would be an aspect of it i mean you know everybody's got their own ideas about what god is but uh um, it's she would just be a part of an even larger force, okay. if that makes sense. You know, like the cosmic force itself, or the multiverse, infinite universes. She's a component within that, so she'd be like a, like other planets, and <clears throat> there are other planets and other spirits out there. You know, so it's it's just like she's just another one. No, if that makes sense. Yeah. You know, it does make sense. And when you are feeling Gaia or engaging in her spirit, do you ever get the feeling that she is upset or devastated the way humanity treats the planet or the way humanity treats the animals? Does she have any particular need to strike back or to take out some human beings for the way their animals are treated? Uh, well, yeah, she would definitely cry about that a bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like the um... – the main message from, from nature is um, basically to consume uh, as little as possible, you know, only can only consume what you need. And the overconsumption is like an abuse. Um, Overindustrialization is like an abuse to her spirit. OK, 
Okay. And how would you increase your connection with Gaia? What are some of the ways that you can actually increase your connection and uh, develop and foster a, a beautiful, solid relationship with Gaia? Well, one of the main things a person can do is just be in nature itself, go out and hang out in nature and spend time in it to where they can feel that energy and that resonance. And and that's the silent communication underneath because she's inside of you as well as outside. It's not just external. Everything's internal as well. So if you visualize the earth being small and fitting inside of your heart to where your energy becomes massive and imagine yourself hovering um, in hyperspace with the earth as your heart center and feel your own heartbeat, that would be a way of merging with her her consciousness in a way to where you can align to it and be in harmony with it. Okay. And if you have a connection or development or really close to Gaia, are there any kind of qualities that people take on who tend to be closer to the earth? Is it uh, a natural occurrence that you probably lose your desire to consume meat or you lose your desire to, I don't know, be connected to, to this computer age, be less inclined to deal with technology? Are there any discernible characteristics of people who are more in touch with Gaia? That's just more like a natural purity. Okay. You know, it's um, not being wrapped up into the intellect so much and just being down to earth, natural and real, you know, humble. You know, if, if you appreciate the power of nature, you're definitely humbled by it. Okay. And, as far as Gaia's evolution goes, is there any part of her spirit that would lead you to indicate that at one point in time in a previous existence that she was a human being or she had a lesser form of existence besides that of a planet, that her planetary existence, her expression in the physical form as planet Earth, is a natural progression of the human cycle of evolution? I don't think humans are that relevant. I don't, I don't think that the, it really has anything to do with human or that she was ever a human. Um, she's way more massive than, than that. But um, I don't think humans are as relevant to, to her as they think they are. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mr. Chris Krepsik, really appreciate your insight and analysis on Gaia, the spirit of Earth. To learn more about Mr. Krepsik, please go to the website thehoodedsage.com. I am telling you, there's information and great insight on there that you won't find anywhere else in the world. Mr. Krefsik, truly an honor to have you with us again. Thank you so much. Thank you, Ryan. It is a great pleasure and honor to welcome back to the program author, metaphysical teacher, and economist, Daryl Shoon. You can learn more about him by going to his website at drshoon.com. Daryl. What can you tell us about the idea or the essence of what people consider to be the matrix? Do you believe that to be real? And if so, what do you describe as the matrix? Well, you know, the matrix was a film that came out that clearly hit a chord, all right? And the theme of the matrix of the film was this guy, and he's caught, he's trapped in something, all right? And he doesn't know what it is, but he knows it's there, and he knows he's trapped in it. And that is the truth. Each one of us is caught in something that it, we that quote theoretic is not of our own making, and I, and I believe that to be true. And we feel that it has control over us and our lives and whatever. And the movie, The Matrix, he's fighting against this and he's trying to get free. And in a way, that's a metaphor about our life. But anything other than that 
is of that metaphor then goes into perception, judgment, and various levels of reality and or illusion. All right. Now there's a term that people use and has been bandied about a long time called the Illuminati. All right. And this is one of those things that's floating on the internet and people pick it up. It's like it's just common use. These people don't, you know, and they just they use it. All right. I mean, it's a term. Well, the word Illuminati really came out out of a guy. He was in Bavaria, and he had a secret society. All right, and there's various, there's explanations of who this guy was, Joseph Weisskopf or whatever, you know, and really what the Illuminati was. But my sense is is that the Illuminati, as it's used popularly today by people on the Internet, is, is that it's is, is a word that they use to describe a group of people who really have an, a, a, what we call a bad intent. What you call bad intent is selfish, all right? I mean, it's okay. basically selfishness, all right? And so they're 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 driven by a need to control and need to make money, and both of these are focused through the banking system and through government, because if you want power over people, the the biggest way to get power is through government. Before it used to be religion, organized religion, all right. When when they had a lot more power over people's lives, when people believed in that. Now the belief in God is passing. It doesn't mean God is passing, but humans' belief in that structure presented by religion is fading away. All right, and so the real power over people's lives is not so much through the church, which ran their game by through guilt and shame. All right, and basically, in my opinion, gave God a real bad name. Bad name. <laughs> a real bad name. <laughs> All right, poor, you know, our poor creator. Poor God. Poor God. I know. Yeah, you know, and and so that's where the power boys come from. The money boys is through the banking, all right? So the term that people give through to the Illuminati is basically a combination of, of, of power-based and profit-based individuals who are very, very selfish and, and, and sometimes ally with each other and sometimes don't. You know, it's like the mafia. You know, you know you're from back east. Right? You knew in New York you had the Gambino family. You had these different families, all right? And, and they were all part of the mafia, and they all sort of fought with each other. Okay, now, so the people who use the term, the term Illuminati, they're not a part of the – they don't call themselves – they don't have buttons. They don't have secret handshakes, you know, like some people might think they do. You know, they just are those folks, all right? And the ones who use that term are the ones who don't have the power, all right, who are trapped by them, who are affected. We're all affected by them, okay? But to use the word trapped – or have the sense of lack of control, in a way, Ryan, it's part of an evolutionary ascent out of their control. By reclaiming your personal power, you remove yourself from their control individually and collectively. All right? Now, most people, when they first realize that they're trapped, they go nuts. They feel, it enhances their sense of powerlessness, rage, anger, and fear. Everything begins to trigger their fear of being controlled. Everything. And then when you're in that state, you read, you look for evidences of this power that, that has so much power over you that's destroying your world, your happiness, and the happiness of all that's good good and true in the world. All right? So you become totally a, a negative toilet of this kind of reality. And I'm not saying it doesn't exist. Here I'm talking about its possible effect on the consciousness of people who become aware of these dark forces. Okay, so can I just pause you there for one second? Are you implying the idea that 
even if you are aware of some of these forces that are out there, yet you are engaging in what can only be described as doom porn, where you're looking for these stories and the articles oh, that oh, talk oh, about totally, the worst coming. Totally, because the so, mind, the mind yeah. is fear-based. The human okay. mind is the, 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 the cosmic mind no, doesn't know fear at all. The cosmic mind is pure consciousness, pure creation, and pure love. That's the pure mind, which we have, but is obviated when we're in human form. We have, we have the lesser version of the cosmic mind. <laughs> All right. Well, I need to ask this, is that there are a lot of sites out there that are talking about what these controlling elites are doing. Now, if you are an individual who's keeping track on this and you are recalling or engaging and looking to see what their intentions are, as awful as they are, what is the fine line between being trapped into the doom porn and just having a curious mind and yet having a celestial perspective on things? <laughs> Ryan, yes, you are talking to somebody who is a, who is more cynical about human beings than almost anybody. <laughs> All right, I never sell humanity short on its ability to do the dirty deed. All right, we have come through crises after crises and have failed innumerable times. But there is something in us that's really holy and pure. I can't tell. All I can do is draw it out and, and say there is a danger to this obsessing. But by the same token, there's a danger to the denial of such forces. All right? There are those who just, I'm only going to see the light. And I'm not going to judge either one of them. You know, it's, everybody's, I mean, the creative force in this universe gave each and every one of us free will, all right? And what we've done with that free will is we've judged how other people have used it, all right? By one token, I, we can, I can take the point of view, I said, you know what, by focusing on this negativity, it's dark, 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 and you're just contributing to the darkness, 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 all right? With that same judgment, I can apply it to the people who, who refuse to see it, all right, and say, by refusing to acknowledge these forces, your denial of it, you're just wrapping yourself up into another level of Maya and illusion, all right? Now, it's not for me to say whether one is true or right. I can only say that people do A and B and a combination of the two, all right? Each one of us is in our own journey going from various stages of darkness and being trapped in the matrix to the ultimate state of freedom. The purpose, if there is a purpose, and there is at this point, to the world of duality, of which the matrix and the dark forces are a part, is to overcome the world, is to overcome that matrix. And you do How it you do by discernment. You do it by focusing on the light, which will shine these things. All right? it's not, I'm not saying that people have to see what I see. All right? I mean, I've looked into the dark and dirty of how these guys are. I know more about these folks, you know, I mean, you have no idea, I mean, you hear about the Bilderbergers, most people just, this is another term, all right, who they, I know where they came from, the Bilderbergers were basically a, a, a American CIA front trying to get the European groups to stay within the U.S. orbit after World War II when they started gaining strength, so the Bilderbergers were a European and, and U.S., you know, you know, group that was instigated by American forces trying to keep a, the, the European forces now within their containment, all right? And so, you know, it's a loose work of people. But there's also a thing called the Thousand and One Club. You ought to check them out. 
And very few people know about the 1001 Club. But you don't have to. Unfortunately, I do. Or fortunately, I do. It doesn't matter. It doesn't. There's, whether there's a judgment that I, I'm, I'm, I that my 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 focus and my curiosity is taking me to these areas. All right. But the truth is, I know they're not winning. I know they're there. Well, I mean, yes. how would you how would you describe them as not winning when, if you think about it, and you just give an observational perspective about the world, the laws do seem to be clamping down on personal freedom, and you, and you have a populace that seems to be less and less engaged in critical aspects, critical thinking aspects, I mean, just observational thinking, because you, I would imagine if people were critically thinking and they were really true and knew what their true uh, laws were, they would never you know, be uh, allowing these things to happen, you would think. Okay, let me take that, that, that assumption, that, that we're dealing okay. with a group of people who are aware of, of, of a further diminishment of their personal freedom, who are okay. aware of, of power groups that are taking more and more power, more and more intrusive, more and more in control over civil and, and liberties. These were the same nice, hardworking people that basically didn't give a shit about the drug laws in the last 40 years in the United States. All right? These were the same people that voted for politicians that threw people in jail, gave some of them life sentences for smoking pot. All right? Now, those laws are now being dismantled. All right? So what we're talking about is an awareness only over their own lives. This awareness about oppression never extended. We're finally becoming aware of a society of what it's like to be black. What it's like to be black and to have those lights flash on you when you're driving your car down a freeway. And you're being pulled over. So now you and I, who are not black, oh, God damn, you know, when we get to see those lights, we go, oh, shit, there goes the insurance. All right? When you're black and you see those lights, a whole nother set of reality comes into play. All right? Now, most of us who are now concerned about the new world order and have laid stockpiles of ammunition and guns in our basements, telling ourselves we're not going to give in to these stormtroopers when they come through the door. You know? I mean, this has been happening to other people for decades with no concern, no compassion, no awareness. So when you pull that one up, Ryan, and I understand it, because there is a lot to say about that. There is a lot to say about what Edward Snowden did and exposed. There is a lot to say about the increasing loss of personal freedom in the United States. I want to say this has been going on for decades. You're saying that this idea that the supposed New World Order or, this, or these elites are losing their control and their grip on humanity, but if you look at some of the laws, they are really seem to be repressing people uh -huh. or seem to have an all-time high grip. How are they losing control if people are not questioning? How are they losing control if the education system seems to be, I don't know, mending people into one um, you know, collective consciousness instead of breeding individuals like we had in earlier phases of the world. You know when they started clamping down on public education? Um, After the 1960s. You know what? People are saying that the that teachers are the greatest threat to, to democracy. Screw them. I'm a minister. Fuck them. Where are these people coming from? The third group third grade teacher may have been terrible, may have been stupid, may have been boring. 
But nowhere are they collectively and individually the greatest threat to our personal freedoms. When they started collectivizing education in this country was out of the 1960s when we had a decent public education system. And then the powers that be saw what happened. When you created kids who could think, kids who thought for themselves. And you know what? We had the closest thing to a revolution in the 1960s that we'd ever had. Because they tried to send us to war in Vietnam, a war backed by the CIA, a war backing a dictatorship formed by the French colonialists. That's what they tried to do. And when they realized what happened when you had an informed electorate, that's when they started shutting it down. Now you've got people on the right wing talking about, screaming about public education. That's paranoia. I'm not saying they don't want you to think a certain way. What do you think education is for? Mind control. But it was certainly a lot less potent than it was before well, they well, started screwing on with the left. But how is this thing, what signs do you see of this collective control or the frequency diminishing? The power of the elites is economic. Okay. All right? It's economic. And they've got everybody by the noogies. Everyone is afraid. All right? And they're squeezing harder and harder and harder, and we're heading closer and closer to bankruptcy. There was an extraordinary person named Buckminster Fuller. And most people don't know who this guy was. All right? And Bucky said in 1981, the year before he died, he was given the, the Medal of Honor, Presidential Medal of Honor. And he had such a nasty, <laughs> not nasty, he had a true understanding of the presidency of the United States. He said the president of the United States is a puppet. All right? And he, got, he was given the Presidential Medal of Honor. All right? <laughs> I mean, that's amazing. And in 1981, in a book called Critical Path, he said, mankind is entering an unprecedented crisis that is going to transform humanity from its differences-based, differently credo, differently colored elements into an interdependent, interharmonious whole with a level of abundance far greater than humanity has ever known in the past. And the passage to that abundance, Bucky said, was the collapse and the bankruptcy of the United States and all our countries. In 1965, Buckminster Fuller said in testimony, he was asked to testify before the Senate you know, Foreign Relations Committee because of his immense uh, respect in the field. And he basically told him, he said, either we're going to have to see the collapse of sovereign states or the future of humanity will be diminished. Okay. So he said it was through our bankruptcy that that humanity was going to be able to stand on its own. If there is a global catastrophe, then there's the economic scale. That it's going to be well, huge. There is going to be a global catastrophe. There right, is going the to be a global rendering. But won't you see an increase or a further demand for forces to take over to quell the problem by people who are still in the state of disbelief and not re ready to accept the idea of reality the way it is. People are still hanging on for whatever they can to the old paradigm and not willing to allow the new shift to come in. You know, the good, Maybe the, we'll, I'm going to tell you something about the new paradigm. 
Yeah. Bucky, Full, Bucky Fuller said there's two forces in this world, class one and class two. And class one forces is called the universally intended, all right, the universe itself. Class two is humanity, capitalist, communist, socialist, libertarians, everybody who believes, you know, <laughs> Christian fundamentalists, Muslim fundamentalists, isms, isms, beliefs, beliefs, beliefs. That's all class two. And Bucky said, this crisis that's been driven is driven by class one. This is a universally intended crisis to, to absolutely turn this world upside down so that which has gone before is no more. All right? Now, I believe that. I totally believe this, Ryan. I know who these folks are. You know, I you know I know this beyond a you know it's sort of like you're talking to somebody who is about cancer who who's a cancer expert. I know who the down and dirty is. You know, I mean all these people that used to think you know they're, they're blaming Obama. Screw them. I mean Obama is a you know he's a <laughs> Obama is a spokesperson for the for Wall Street. All right, in one respect. All right, he never went after him, but he's a whole lot better than the boys on the right that were going to come in. And, and make it even worse. And do it. All right. right. So I need to ask you something else. This collapse, he's saying that this is going to be, is this a an act or, so let me say this, or three, two, one. This collapse or this economic chaos that the world is expected to experience, is this a uh, natural order of things to come or is this something that is the, the elites are perpetuating no, no, upon the humanity? Elite, the elites want this thing. They don't like it the way it is. The elites... They know it's getting out of control. People don't understand why the central banks now have huge trillions of dollars of negative equity on their books. They never had to do that. They've been forced in that position. It's gotten away from them. This Ponzi scheme of credit and debt, which has allowed them to take over the world, is getting away from them. All right? There's a house cleaning going on. There is something that's so huge, there's a rebalancing of universal polarities. All right? And what I mean by that, you can even see it on the universal level of the East and the West finally coming together. All right? And basically, the whole East and West thing was dreamed up by the Western powers and the banking elites that basically took over the East, drove them into the ground, took all their wealth for themselves. All right? Now, and you look at it, how is it laying out? I mean, there's a dynamic to this that China and Russia are buying as much gold as they can. With every printed piece of paper they got, they're building up their reserves of gold. And who is selling their gold? The West, the elites. And gold is how they, they dominated it, they're, they're, it's because they're based on paper. Now, your question was this. Is, is this collapse driven by the elites? No. They're, they're try, they'd like to use the collapse to their own good, which is they're trying to do with everything. Every war, every crisis, the elites try to turn it to their own advantage. This crisis is going to take them out. It's going to take them out. Okay, so this is something that it is a something where they have allowed it to get away, and it happens regardless of whether they or not they haven't allowed it to get away. Like... It's out of their control. You know, the, one of my sayings, Ryan, is this. Credit is no more money than, than power is control. All right? Now, when you're really poor, you think credit's money. 
You know, I got a real nasty attitude about people. You know when people started, most middle-class Americans started associating with the rich? You know, before, they used to associate themselves with the, with, with the poor people, hard-working people who were screwed by the rich. Then all of a sudden, they began identifying with the rich and looking down with the poor. You know when that happened? Not when they got rich, when they got credit cards. And then they began to think that we have something. They began to think, oh, man, I made something in my life. They were given credit. All right? And it went to their heads. Okay? Now, the deal is that world is being swept away. And the boys who really do have power, the elites who really do have far more power than we do, they began to think that they were in control. Power is no more control than credit is money. Credit has to be paid back. Gold and silver never had to be paid back. Credit is money on loan. Power is an illusion of control. And these people who have huge amounts of power thought they were in control. Okay, so I think you brought up a real excellent point. So are you saying that this – let's just come back. So this idea of the matrix, this illusion of control, if the illusion of these people in power is shattered, will the matrix or the communication bandwidth that they use to hold people in the state of subservience uh, and you know, make subservience to them, will that also be shattered as well? Will that Absolutely. Matrix, uh, it's okay. part of the illusion. And what, let, me, let me tell you something. You know, I, I was in Phoenix last week. I just want to go hear Bernie Sanders. You know, I mean, I don't vote. All right? I've never voted. I was a political science major. And I'm really into power, into politics. And I've never voted. And when, the, you know, after I got my felonies, you know, they took it away, screw them. I didn't care. I never voted before in a presidential election because I knew it was a sham. And on that note, Daryl Robert Schoen. That was one hell of an interview. It was really great to have you as always. And Thank you, Ryan. To learn more about Daryl Shun, Daryl, what's the best website for people to go to? com. You know, I am, the mo- I am more optimistic than I've ever been in my life. I know this is going to turn out well. I have absolute faith, a faith that I never had before. And I entered this as a cynical in the 1960s as you could be and the 1960s was a period of tremendous change and now finally I'm absolutely convinced it's in motion Uh, it's great to hear thank you so much for being with us Darren thank you Ryan okay everyone that concludes today's edition of the Out of Limits of Inner Truth radio show special thanks to our incredible guests and special thanks as always to our virtues Miss Carrie O'Connor Ms. Lisa Kaza and Ms. Constance Tellis. To learn more about the Outer Limits of the Truth Radio Show, please go to our website at OuterLimitsRadio.com. So the next time we meet, my friends, wishing upon you an abundance of peace, love, and beers. Take good care. Thank you so much for listening. Want to be heard or seen in front of millions of people? Want to be an expert on TV or radio? Goldman McCormick PR is a New York City-based public relations agency that specializes in traditional and social media placement for law, finance, media, and corporate-based clients. 
Goldman McCormick PR also are specialists in website development, radio show creation, press conferences, media training, and so much more. Check out GoldmanMcCormick.com for more information. GoldmanMcCormick.com. 